This program is a proud member of Univaz. Unified, unique, voices. Learn more at univazpods.net. Hello, my name's Patrick, and I'm a Scream Queen. I'm a Scream Queen, and so are you! <laughs> Beautiful screamers, and welcome to another episode of Scream Queens, the podcast where horror gets gay. This is episode 227, and tonight, eh, it's nothing special. It's just the beginning of the countdown to Halloween Potiphon! What? Oh my gosh, can you believe the day is here already? It seems like it was only last year we did this. Yes, this is the second annual countdown to Halloween Potathon, and if you are perhaps new to the show, what you have just stumbled into is a fundraiser that I do for New Alternatives, which is an organization in New York City which helps homeless LGBT teenagers. Now, what a lot of people don't know, the statistics on homeless LGBT kids are out of control, and when the people at Chapin Hall at the University of Chicago did a study on homelessness among the LGBT community. They were shocked at their findings. They, 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 all of a sudden, it was America's secret shame. The numbers are way too high. For instance, the new statistic I picked up this time, which is completely depressing, is that your average LGBT teen... You know, I'm sorry. I'm just going to have to say gay for now. I am old and I'm very tired. I've been up all night getting the show together and I don't have time to play political nice nice just you know what i mean you know what i mean it's all into the gay rainbow the, the rainbow people you know just your average rainbow teenager is 120 percent more likely to go homeless than a straight teenager 120 percent and you know the statistic i quoted all last year and i'll be quoting it all this year is that 40 percent of the teen homeless population identifies as lgbt however the non-homeless population, they only make up 7% of the population. Only 7% of the population identifies as LGBT. So mathematically, that does not compute. Why are almost six times the amount of... I mean, how can a group of kids who make up 7% of one population all of a sudden just make up 40? Oh my God. Remember how I just said I've been up all night editing this show? I cannot be doing statistics now either. I don't do math on a good day, and we're going to come back to that before we start the show. So let's reconnoiter for a bit. How do I get this point across without using math? You know what? That's quite easy. You can just go to the show notes right now on the webpage. I've posted a graph. If a visual aid can't help you, nobody can. If a pie graph can't help you, if pie can't save the world, I don't know what can. But I know what can help. What can help is if you go over to your computer and you visit fundraise.newalternativesnyc.org slash SQ. And that SQ stands for Scream Queens, because that's me. And I would like you to make a donation. I dare you to donate $21. 
I dare you. Here's the thing. I'm giving you a gift. I'm giving you not the usual two podcasts a month. No, no, no. You're getting 21. And not only are they 21 podcasts, I have rounded up some of the most exceptional guests I have ever had on this show. Some are old, some are new. And many of these episodes have blown my mind how well they've turned out. And you're getting 21 of them in 21 days. 21 premium quality shows for free. And all I'm asking is you give $1 for each episode. $1. And I don't even want you to give it to me. Give it to those kids. 21 might seem a random, arbitrary number, and it might seem small. But I think little chunks of small things are going to add up to something big. I'm going to ride my hunch on this one. Of course, if you want to donate $1,000, by all means, because 21 is included in that $1,000. But if you could start thinking about the donation process at 21 that being your jumping off point, that would make me happy. If you can't, that's okay too. But give what you can. If it's only $5, if it's only a dollar, fine. Just know that I'm not angry. I'm just very, very disappointed in you. Now, I did mention earlier there was some other fun math stuff we needed to talk about, but it's not about statistics or homelessness or anything. It's about the show that we're doing right now, about the podcast. I mean, the podcast, I mean, obviously... It's about the planning of the Polython. Because I know a lot of you are saying, um, wasn't this supposed to start yesterday on October 10th? Well, by my math, yes. Because I counted back 21 days from Halloween and I came up with the 10th. Except I didn't count Halloween. But we're doing a show on Halloween so I should have counted Halloween. So 31, 21 days away from the 31st of October, and you actually get the 11th. Please don't make me repeat that. But what your mother and I must know, Billy, is that why did nobody check my math? All of you know me. Every one of my contacts in life knows don't ask him to do any math. And then you just let me plan this major event. Nobody said, maybe I should check the calendar first. Why not? (laughs) Do you not love me anymore? Did you want me to make a fool of myself on national internet? What? I got nothing. It's not that I can't do math. It's just that I get creative with the rules. I can't help it. I'm just a deeply, deeply creative person. Like, why not a little ad-libbing? Why not a little fudging here and there? I think this symbol looks prettier than that. And so you know, you know, I was, we, we, the whole, we had a discussion about it on Facebook with a whole bunch of people about who was right and who was wrong, and it turned into a whole two plus two plus one plus one, not one plus two plus one plus one. The whole clue thing with the chandelier. And fuck it. The show starts today. Deal with it. You know, I've forgotten my manners, Mike. Goodness, you know, you go on hiatus and you just forget how to do everything. For those of you who are new to the show and just stumbling onto this for the first time, hi, please allow me to introduce myself. My name is Patrick Walsh, and normally, twice a month, every month, I am your guide through the weird and wonderful worlds of horror movies. But you have to see them through my very, very gay little eyes. Was that gay? I don't know. It was like Brenda Ficaro swallowed her own tampons. 
That's not a sexist joke. She used to do commercials for Playtex deodorant tampons. Hello, this is Brendan Vicar. I'd like to talk to you about my deodorant tampons. It's what it was the same. It's how I learned about deodorant tampons. Stop yelling at me. Why was I talking about Brendan Vicar? All right, I was explaining to the new people how the show usually goes. That is normally how the show usually goes. This is exactly it. I'm overtired. I go on complete mindless tirades and, 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 and tangents and then I forget where I am and then we just ramble for three hours. That's the show. Welcome to it. No, that's just kidding. But you've come at a very special time. Yes, I just dumped a whole lot of heavy stuff in your lap at the beginning. But now we're through it. And now it's time to have some fun. Now it's time to bring on our guest, Dandy Darkly. We're going to talk about Tales of Poe, directed by Bart Mastronardi and Alan Rowe Kelly. Let's take a listen to the trailer. Queen's Countdown to Halloween Potathon. Now, you can't really do a film festival, for want of a better word, like this. A film festival looking at, you know, horror. Things that terrify you. Things to give you nightmares. Things that get under your skin and crawl around and do awful things without going back to your roots. You got to take a look at the classics, man. You got to take a look at the people who set the rules for what scares us in modern society. And we're going to kick off the potathon by doing just that by looking at the tales of Edgar Allan Poe. Joining me on this particular leg of the countdown to Halloween potathon is the internationally renowned weaver of tales of sex and death, 
just back from his conquest tour of Scotland. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, returning to the show once again, Mr. Danny Darkly. Welcome back to America. Thank you. Thank you. I'm, I, I know where things are now. I haven't been run over by a bus. That's a big thing week. when you come back from the UK. <laughs> it is. They drive everywhere over there. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yes. So, Danny, welcome back to the show. It has been a very long time. Oh, it certainly has. How you been, Patrick? I've been fabulous. I've been fabulous. And, and it, not only has it been a long time, we had a completely lost episode. Oh, right. You know, I, 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 that, that's, a, that's an honor as far as I'm concerned. I'm still bitter about that. I edited that thing for so goddamn long, and the universe is just like, nah. no. I don't that's appear that ugly on little girl. That ugly little girl shot us down. Totally. Absolutely. <laughs> They have no idea what we're talking about. Sorry, no, that was a great film. It was uh, Die, Mommy, Die, wasn't it? Uh, No, 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 that's the Charles Bush movie. Oh, yes. Uh, uh, Oh, God, it was with Zsa Gabor. Oh, Picture Mommy mommy Dead. dead. Picture Mommy Dead. Oh, what a great film. Yes, Murder and Falconry, your two favorite things. Oh, well, next time. Dandy, so you've got a new show we hear. Yeah, speaking of great shows, my my newest show is Dandy Darkly's All Aboard. I just had a fantastic run in London and Edinburgh and San Francisco. Now I'm back at Under St. Mark's uh, this Halloween season, October 11th to the 14th. Come check it out. Now, for those of the listening audience who don't know what Dandy do, <laughs> what do Dandy do? Dandy do anything he wanted to do and do it fabulously, but that's not the Dandy point right now. Like, what can they expect at a Dandy Darkly show? Because it is rather hard to, to describe. Oh, it's so hard to explain. So I'm a storyteller of Southern Gothic ghost stories. Uh, I weave everything through a pop culture, um, satiric lens, queer lens, and then I regurgitate it out onto my audience alongside a pre-recorded soundtrack of rock and roll and piano with sound effects. I create a beautifully immersive storytelling experience for my audience and my newest show is uh is called dandy darkly's all aboard and it's um it's the first time that i've created a a, a whole story wrapped in, into one a lot of times i approach a particular subject from different angles this time we're looking at the deep south um southern shame uh racism transphobia and that sounds awfully heavy but it's actually quite a light um a, a light little jaunt but it's certainly going to leave you thinking mm-hmm. And that's that's Dandy's thing, man, that he makes the, the dark stuff seem light and the light stuff seem dark. And it's all just Dandy. It's all just Dandy. It's me. It's all me. I, I make the fucking backdrop. I make my costume with help here and there. But, but your outfit, uh, this show is fabulous, by the way. I'm a little sassy. I mean, it, it's always fabulous. But my goodness, my goodness. Um, I have to tell you, Danny. Yeah. After I saw the show. Before yeah. you left for Edinburgh, You're right? I did a wonderful, I did a wonderful preview run over at 59 East 59th Street Theater. Lovely people there. See shows over there. Yes. After I saw the show, yeah. I immediately changed Alexa's name to Lollibot. 
they're not going to get that. <laughs> I love it. They will if they get the show. They will if they come see the show. Then you'll get all the inside quips here on Screen Queen. And I'll tell her, Lollibot, you'd be crazy. And she just says, I'm sorry. I don't understand what you're talking about. I fuck you, Alexa. God damn it. You know, Alexa, good Lord. See? See, there she goes. Thank you. That's a chime in, bitch. <laughs> bitch. And, uh, yeah, so the... We'll get into the dates of the St. Mark show before we leave. So we have a little movie to talk about. Uh, ooh, we certainly do. Tales of Poe from 2014, was it? Tales of Poe. I believe it is. Yes, I believe that's right. I am pulling up IMDb because I am a horrible host. But uh, yes, 2014. Yes. And this has a couple of reasons why it's showing up here on Scream Queens. First of all, pretty much everybody involved in the making of the movie is an out gay person. Yeah, is a screen queen. It's mm -hmm. incredible. And icons, icons even. Yes, yes. And then the gay scream queens actually managed to get a whole bunch of actual movie scream queens out of retirement to do this. Bitches who don't work no more. They're like, nah, we turned on everything. They took this movie. And I'm talking oh, about absolutely. Adrian Adrian King from Friday the 13th, uh, Amy Steele, Friday the 13th Part 2. Um, who else is in there? Everybody, Deb Debbie Rashawn. Uh, yeah, Debbie Rashawn. Leslie Donaldson from Happy Birthday to Me. Desiree Gould. Even. Desiree Gould from uh, Sleepaway Camp. Yes, wonderful. Yeah, it's just, and uh, Carolyn Williams from Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, all in one yes. movie, plus a village person. No, don't even get me started on Randy Jones. I have a lot to say about that Randy Jones. So, Dandy, <laughs> since yes. you are the guest... Yeah. We have a tradition here. Since you are the guest, I need from you a nice, tight, 30-second elevator speech plot summary of Tales <laughs> of Poe. The clock starts now. Lollibot, hit it. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, Tales of Poe is a fantastic film. Little brief, uh, little brief, uh, little brief of uh, Edgar Allan Poe's classic stories put on screen. Imagine, if you will, American Horror Story, public domain. <laughs> and time. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't shady, I promise. I mean, you know, that's a little backhanded. It's, like, it's very Southern of you. You have to very it. Southern. It could yeah. be nice. It could be not. There has to be. We'll never know. It's both. There has to, there has to be a briar on, in, uh, hidden somewhere in that blackberry cobbler. Well, mm, mm, is that what you call it? <laughs> it? We have three stories of Poe. So we've got the tale, uh, sorry, the Telltale Heart, the tell, Cask tell of Amontillado, and yes. one of his poems in Dreams. Dreams. Yes. Made popular by Stevie Nicks. <laughs> in the, no, I'm... <laughs> I'm wearing a shawl right now, big floppy hat. I'm oh, ready. Of course you are. Of course you are. It's Thursday. It's floppy hat shawl day in New York. It is. It's Hello. <laughs> I actually have to say, when I saw this at the premiere at the uh, New York City Horror Film Festival yes. several years ago, I got a little snooty. Oh, right snooty patootie. Because I, I, got, I got all literary snoot. I'm like, they're not sticking to the story. Uh, the they're not telling it right. <sighs> then I got over myself for five minutes because I realized none of those Vincent Price movies from the 60s stuck to the script either. No. So they, they all 
have their leeway with the story. Artistic, artistic license. Like in the UK, you get to drive on the other side of the street. You know? Uh-huh, uh-huh. And, and just stick superfluous use into any word that you want. <laughs> We're going to make this word longer because we can. You can, and, and also a lot of these older queens, they, you know, they, they pronounce things longer. That's true. That's true. Maggie Smith can put as many vowels into anything that you want, but are we talking about her? No. The thing is, let's face it, we all know these stories. Yeah, so I, having a bit of a twist on them was a smart idea. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. And as much as I love Bart, uh, Bart Mastronati and Alan Roe Kelly, the uh, co-directors of the piece and the writers. Yes. My big beef with this, and it's only – it's not that bad. It's a pace issue. Right. I think it could have been maybe a little snappier. My big was- beef with the show was Brewster McCall, who we'll get to later. Oh. <sighs> oh. Oh, yes, 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 yes. That's one of my favorite parts. <laughs> Marco Polo, yes, indeed. What I loved about the screening that I was at, the opening scene has Debbie Rashawn being – Checked into an asylum. Yes. Among the patients is Leslie Donaldson. You know, great Canadian horror actress from Happy Birthday to Me and, and oh, Funeral Home. right. And all those things. And I, many, many fa- fabulous cooking videos, by the way. But that's neither here nor there. She's one of the other patients. And she's got some, well, she's got some potty mouth issues. She does. I'm going to rip your head off and shove it down your fucking throat. <laughs> Son of a bitch, shut up. She's she's a she's she cusses like a sailor, a sailor with a creepy ass doll. And I blew my own joke here because the woman next to me, every time she said something dirty, the woman next to me goes, oh, the potty mouth. <gasps> I don't like her. Mm-mm. Oh, potty mouth. Ah, potty oh mouth. And then when her when then when her tongue gets ripped out at the end, she goes, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's ah. what happens. Was she a co-star? That's why I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it was Leslie Donaldson's mother. Exactly. <laughs> Talking just a little too loudly so everyone turns against her on the screen. Yes. Yes. I do so, that trick. So now this whole the whole premiere event is about me. And I'm not even <laughs> in the movie. Yes. Uh, so the switcheroo that they've done here is that they've made the protagonist and the villain of Telltale Heart, women. Mm. Just like just like gay men. <laughs> uh-huh. uh-huh. <laughs> of course, it's not just going to be some like old old uh, hag living in a in a in a hut somewhere. No, no, no. It has to be a fading silent movie, glamorous star, <laughs> uh. <laughs> with her horrible vulture eye and her night nurse. Yeah, night nurse. I tell you what, my night nurse is just terrible, Patrick. Is she? She's terrible. <laughs> did, she, did she stick a high heel through your eye? <laughs> no. Think she's no. not that bad. <laughs> I take all of my procedures rectally, so high heel in the potty mouth. Uh-huh. Uh, why are all the waistbands in my underclothing stretched out, night nurse? <laughs> Yeah, she did not like her night nurse whatsoever. No, 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 no. I was talking about yours. I was just like, she likes to try on her underwear when she's not, because really, who wouldn't want to try on Dandy's underwear? Yes, the movie is now all about me. Well, what else would it be? Everything's about Dandy. Everything is Dandy. Now that we got Dandy. Yeah, and it's the story 
goes the way you expect it to go. It's nothing really surprising here. But one of the things that helps the movie a lot is they managed to get some fantastic locations for nothing. Oh, yeah. Like, I, don't, I forget what this place is. It's some kind of museum in New Jersey that they're using as the starless, the fading starlet's house. And it is fabulous. It adds some lush, some lux. Oh, excellent, excellent location shots. I swore they broke into the old insane asylum down on Reese Beach. Mm-hmm. That old uh, abandoned, uh, abandoned spot. I was like, wow, this is, this really feels like I'm in an old, abandoned, creepy, insane asylum. So bravo. Well, here's the fun tidbit about that. Bart, uh, the, uh, Bart Masternati was telling me pretty much everything that wasn't shot at those two locations, the vineyard in the cask and that museum, everything that was indoors was shot in his high school cafeteria where he teaches. Oh. And you wouldn't know. He's like, oh, oh my God, it's so obvious. Everyone knows. I'm like, really? You really can't tell at all. It looks really good. Damn good job. Of course, there's that woman in the back trying to pass off some tater tots in one scene. But, you know, it's it the weirdness. I'd, I'd have it. I would have taken one. Mm, never say no to a tater tot. There's always that one background extra who's just pulling a little too much, fo- too much focus. Settle down. Why is everyone looking at me? I can feel your eyes on me, listeners. I can feel you. I feel you, you bastards. Ooh, I do too. Ooh, ooh. Yes. And <laughs> the fun thing is, is as I mentioned, later on in the movie, we get Adrian King and Amy Steele. Now, oh. neither of them really work much anymore, and they definitely don't want to work in horror. You know, Adrian King has her own reason. She had that whole stalker issue that <gasps> right the, oh yeah, right after Friday the 13th, she had this very serious stalker issue. Oh my, well, I, I would imagine. She had to completely retire. She was that frightened. She, but she's coming back now. And Amy still says just- there was already Adrian Barbeau. I mean, you know, there can only be one Adrian in the um but she's in the, king. the in the genre world. Oh, she is the king. Bravo! <laughs> she's got the booze, but Adrian King got the crown. Boom. There you go. Amy Steele sounds like a gay porn star, but named Amy. It could happen. It's 2018. It is. Anything's world, possible. <laughs> the world of gay porn is wide open. But Barb was telling me that he was trying to get them involved with the project, and they were both together, and he's showing them clips of what he'd already filmed, which was the scenes from this segment. Yeah. And Adrian King saw the scene where Night Nurse's little white heel went jamming into that old lady's eye socket and just was said, I'm on board. Sign me up. Oh, fabulous. Amy still had to be seduced. She's like, well, what do I have to do? He's like, well, you're going to read Edgar Allan Poe poetry. She's like, fabulous. <laughs> I don't have to kill anybody. I don't have to scream. I'm in. Yeah. But you do have to get a body wave. Mm. Or whatever that poodle perm was. I was like, oh, honey. Yeah, poodle perm. I like poodle perm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She had very floofy hair. It was quite a hairdo. She was in mourning. She, had, she made bad choices. <laughs> Sometimes that's what happens. Yeah. <sighs> so, yes, yeah, so this pretty much goes the way it goes. There's some nice gore at the end, you know, the, in the rap story that goes back at the hotel, which, uh, not the hotel, at the asylum, which I already spoiled by saying that Leslie Donaldson has her tongue ripped out, but... <laughs> Oh, it's all right. Spoiler alert for this whole thing. Well, you know, the stories are how old? They're very old. Uh huh. And, you know, what movie has Leslie Donaldson not ever done ripped out in? Like 200 years, nearly 200 years old, I would bet. Mm. Well, maybe not nearly 200. Well, I think 1870s. I'm not sure. 18, so, right? Well. 
130 years old. <laughs> I was told there would be no math today, Dandy. <laughs> no math, no creepy little girls, no falconry. So the next one is the is the cask of Amontillado, and this one was directed by Alan Roe Kelly, who is an interesting person. Uh, he's it seems like a very interesting. Uh, interesting. My introduction to Alan, I was at a screening uh, at a at Horrorhound Weekend of this movie called Sculpture, Ooh. in which he played the curator of an art gallery. All right, sitting. And the second he showed up on screen, I'm like, ah, gag drag character. But then there was no gag. And then the character's name was Richard. But it's a man in a dress. No. But nobody ever acts like that's odd. So it's just okay. Yeah. yeah no. It's a whole new world. It is a whole new world. And I love that. He's it's got this whole old Hollywood glamour thing that he latches onto. And it is a daily, daily thing. And it's fabulous. Love, love him to pieces. But... He did this one, and this is, uh, well, it's it's at a wedding. You know, I can't believe it. After three years of living in sin, you decided to finally make it legal. Oh, well, you better believe it. After three very long years, Gogo finally decided to say yes. Well, I had to say something to file a stalker's report. <laughs> happy, darling. Let's dance. Let's dance. Can I give you a little full disclosure here? Please. So... FYI, one of my first performances was in a student film production of The Cask of Amontillado. Isn't that incredible? Isn't it? Were you a brick? No. (laughs) I was the cork. You know what? All in all, it's just a... um, No, I actually was Montresor. Isn't that amazing? Oh. I was Alan Roe Kelly's role. Nice. So I, uh, I, I was studying this portion of the film, quite scrutinizing it even, yes. quite carefully. Yes, and the twist that they've done here is now it's not so much a tale of revenge, it's a tale of greed. It's greed and rebirth and... Uh, and Randy Jones. And Rand- Randy Jones. <laughs> what, what I loved about this scene, this whole wedding party, I'm like, this, they're, they're a very eclectic group of yeah, characters. That was a weird wedding. It was a weird wedding. And I just said, this is a bunch of eccentric cunts who can't stand each other, but have to be ah. at the social function. And that's my kind of party. See you next time. They were vicious to one another. Fortunato. That song, it's getting real old, real quick. <laughs> and so are some of my guests. Uh-huh. Everybody here hates everybody. Keep drinking. Keep drinking. <laughs> and sometimes that's your, that's your way out. Yeah, so uh, Alan Roe Kelly's playing Gogo, and Gogo's getting married to Randy I almost said Randy Quaid. No, he's not, Girl, <laughs> he's not no. getting married to Randy, Randy Quaid. Jones. Randy Jones from the Village People. And uh, Randy Jones is uh, the owner of a vineyard. And, and for, for our listeners at home, if you don't know who Randy Jones is, he was the resplendent cowboy of the Village People, star of Can't Stop the Music, one mm-hmm. of my favorite films of all time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you can do the milkshake. 
I can I've do seen, the milkshake. I've seen you do it. I've done the milkshake so many times. Yes. <laughs> yes. Whatever they were on in that film, I'll take five. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I'm, sorry. Sidebar. One of my favorite stories about that movie is Wait, that. Is this, is, this, is this going to segue into a discussion on Can't Stop the Music? Briefly. You know what? We're here. This is what happens. We segue. I'm overtired. This is what happens during the marathon. I can't stay on topic. But the uh, When they were shooting that, the, pro, yeah. uh, the gay protesters were kept showing up on set. Were they protesting? Uh, they were actually, they, were, they thought they were protesting cruising, uh-uh. but they kept showing up at the Can't Stop the Music set. No. Like, no! It's go home. It's just us, the village people. It's the village people. And... <laughs> and what's her name? Valerie Perrine, bitch. Valerie Perrine. <laughs> Coked out of her mind, I'm sure. I, I Allegedly. 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 That's why the, she couldn't and, stop the and, music. And, and Alt- Altavis Davis. Yes. yes. The resplendent Altavis Davis looking fly as can be. Yes. Yes. And with a name like that. Oh! That's a yeah. person that should be at this wedding. Segway oh, back. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. And, well, it just turns out that the uh, relationship between Gogo and, and, and Randy Jones may not be as romantic and on the level as it seems. Turns out <laughs> just marrying him for the money. Got a little piece on the side. I have to say, I appreciate the beefcake in this segment. It was, it was looking like it was a little bit of an arranged marriage, if, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, Caitlyn Jenner, of course. I forgot. Oh, Lovely yes. Caitlin was in. Can't well, it was such a, okay, such, back, it's back such an to, exuberant performance. <laughs> back to tales of, oh, no, she better not. <laughs> so it was a very much an arranged marriage. The wedding was a bit lackadaisical. And so they're going down to what? Sample, sample, the, sample the latest from their... Um, yes, yes. The, 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 the much-heralded cask... Of Montresor. Amontillado, but yes. Amontillado, yeah. <laughs> Amontresor, Amontresor. I feel like I'm being tested for like for like senior lit or something. Uh, you're going to have to see me after class, I think. Don't worry. <laughs> there, 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 there's a fun way to get extra points. <laughs> Ooh, Professor Jones, anything. <laughs> <laughs> and it does involve the milkshake, but anyway, I'm back now. So, um... <laughs> Yeah, well, it turns out she's got a piece on the side the whole time. This has only been about the money. She's actually been poisoning him the whole time, so they stay sick. I have to say, Fortunato, I'm quite amazed at your constitution. You've been sick for, what, two, three years now? Yeah, ever since the two of you met. And it all ends very badly. But I did like that her little piece of beefcake is shirtless as much as humanly possible. Oh my God. Like, thank you, gay filmmakers. Oh, mm. thank you, gay filmmakers. Where did they find him? I, I do believe actually he is a boylesque performer. Oh, is he? New York. Yeah, I think he works in the cabaret circuit. Oh, nice. Uh, uh, yeah, I believe I've, I've thoroughly stalked him now on social media so I can tell you everything. <laughs> I don't blame you. <laughs> I don't blame you. Oh, hashtag Brewster too. All right. Unfortunately, he likes older women. Apparently, based on this movie, but that's okay. That's okay. Well, you know, I'm an an older woman. But what they uh, do here, they stretch out the story a bit because it doesn't end Mm -mm. with Fortunato walled up in the wall. And I seriously was sitting there going, "Did this? Did 
that was the end of the film, right? I kept that's the end of the story. I, yeah, that was because I kept thinking, well, maybe I was so addled from my from my. I'm not in drug, this scene. I don't drug, know what's happening. Drug, <laughs> drug smoking youth that I totally forgotten the plot of of the of the story. But I was like, wait a minute, is there a is there a zombie revenge plot? No, the there is not. There but is there is not. in this one. <laughs> there is in this one because bitches need revenge in this day and age. Uh huh. I was very impressed at Randy Jones' ability to whistle without lips. <laughs> that is why you're a village person. Yes, it was. He had a little signature tune that alive, alive, oh, alive, alive, oh. They was whistling at burn, point of annoyance early on in the film. Chris. Oh, that song's getting old, Fortunato. Yes, so is most of my guests. Oh, snapping, snapping, ah, snapping. Randy Jones just stepping off, stepping off the ferry from 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 Fire Island, burnt to a crisp. <laughs> he needed a he needed a stronger SPF girl, but no, Randy. We'll have to change the ending. No, and this one is it adds a nice bit of ghoulish fun to it. It does. And this one's more campy, and I liked it. It was it's fun. Again, there's just a pacing problem overall, but but the thing that makes the movie stand out for some people in a bad way, for some people in a good way, is the last segment. Oh yes, the last uh, the last segment, which is the the embodiment of the poem in dreams, which is in this version, it seems to be you know it's kind of all for interpretation, but it's the last moments of a young girl's life before she crosses over when it goes through her head as she's going over the grape oh that my young life were a lasting dream my spirit not awakening till the beam of an eternity should bring the morrow yes though that long dream were of hopeless sorrow were better than the cold reality of waking life. Beyond, it's all very surreal. All it's very, very surreal. Listen, listen. I once, I once dropped acid on a sugar cube at Spooky Bear in Provincetown, and the visuals weren't even as compelling as what was shown on that screen for the three and a half hours that that final, the final segment went on. I tell you what, it was spectacular. Yeah, I thought so too. But visually, visually arresting. I just thought it was ballsy too. I'm like, this is how you're ending your movie with this surreal, almost art piece. Absolutely. It's almost completely not, silent. And why not add more to it? You know, make that film nine and a half hours. It's nine and a half weeks. <laughs> <laughs> But this is where all the Scream Queens come out to play. There's lots of fun imagery. It does take a long time, but I didn't mind that. It's worth it. Like I said, I, I would have sat, I would have enjoyed sitting in a the movie theater. In the movie theater. On something. Yes, yes. I kind of kept feeling like, wow, this is long and nobody's talking. Yet at the same point, I was captivated by it because the did, imagery is fantastic. Did the cranky lady next to you, did she finally stop fussing about well, She was out like a light. She was out like a light. She woke up for the tap dancing demon, who is my favorite part of this. Oh, that tap dancing demon. Played, I believe, by Brewster McCall, the demon of dreams. No. No? No, I met that young man at the at the premiere. Is a man of color, and I don't think Mr. Bruce McCall is that good an actor. Well, I don't know. I, I, I was. I know. Well, somebody, everyone had so much makeup and, 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 and pancake on that could have been anything or burnt to a crisp. They were. I know. Well, they burned Randy Jones black as midnight, so. <laughs> they sure did. They sure did. You know, she has an encounter with this demon that's tap dancing. 
for some reason, it's, I found it really unsettling because I kept going, don't he keeps repeating the same pattern over and over again? Yeah. And she's just like, what, what do I do? I'm like, don't, don't, don't tap it back. No. I can tell you, dancer girl, do not tap that thing back. And did she? No, she did not. Oh, good. No, she didn't. Yes. No, it was a beautiful, a beautiful, a beautiful uh, sequence. Um, it had the feel of, uh, we've already, we've already mentioned Miss Stevie Nicks, but it had the feel of sort of a, sort of a, uh, an esoteric Stevie Nicks uh, video. I know that's the, that's an awful, that's an awful, uh, and I mean, no, no, no there, were, there, there were lots of veils and ruffles and things. So you're it was not very, it, it felt like a heart video or it felt yeah. like, you know, it yeah, felt yeah, like, yeah. With Adrian King all walled up behind that glass in that outfit. Absolutely. I'm like, yeah, totally Stevie Nicks. That lens just smeared with an inch of Vaseline, everything shimmery on the on the exterior. Mm-hmm. I loved it. That actually was my favorite. It was my favorite uh, uh, of the three of the three segments. Hi, everybody. This is Patrick from the future cutting in on his own interview with Dandy Darkly. What I wanted to add is that this segment. Well, we we didn't talk much about it. I mean, not. I mean, we talked about some of the visuals and stuff, but not really what's going on. Well, there's not a story per se. I mean, there is, but it's open for interpretation for me. Well, you have Amy Steele, who's playing the mother of this girl who's dying. It's in her. It's in her hospital room, and Amy Steele is reciting the poem in a voiceover, while her daughter is trapped in this seemingly nightmare world, and. Again, open for my uh, for interpretation, but my interpretation was there seems to be different realms of the world that she keeps crossing back and forth with, and she has to encounter the people who, let's say, rule each particular segment, and possibly determine whether she stays there or moves on. And there's also like an Alice in Wonderland theme introduced as well. There's a you know two rival queen characters. I believe uh, Carolyn Williams is listed as the Queen of Dreams, and and um. Adrian King is her more evil adversary, and one's dressed in red, one's dressed in white. So it's just like red queen, white queen. And there's even a tea party. We mentioned the tea party. At one point, the dying girl winds up at this completely... Well, it's not mad. It's just sad. And ruling over it is Adrian King in this glass coffin. And like I said, there's no dialogue in any of this. And I thought... Even without it, Adrian King's performance is quite exceptional. I don't know if she has a dance background or not. I mean, I know she boogied with John Travolta in Saturday Night Fever, but her physicality reads so strongly that you know exactly what's going on. That the tea party was going on just fine before this girl arrived and ruined everything. And now the queen has to wake up and deal with this horrible problem. And I had to say, when Adrian King's eyes snapped open behind that thick plane of glass in that coffin or whatever it is, I just went, oh, shit. Oh, no. Like, I got this visceral reaction like, oh, shit, it's going to go down. And it does. And it does. So kudos to you, Adrian King. That's pretty much all I had to say. We're going to get back to the interview now. And um, yes, let's just do that. Okay, going back to Dandy. No. And the thing is, uh, in the time since I saw it back then and now, yeah, I, not to bring down the party, but, you know, my sister passed away. And so this all rang, particularly the end of it. I was a mess. I was, girl was a mess. Uh-huh. As opposed to the composed person you see sitting before you right now. No, absolutely. Composed. 
with it <laughs> likewise hip happening hip, yeah happening part of the, part of the coffee generation <laughs> tab cola it's for beautiful people like me yeah but no i wept like a baby i have been happy though in a dream i have been happy and i love the theme dreams in their vivid coloring of life as in that fleeting shadowy misty strife of semblance with reality which brings to the delirious eye more lovely things of paradise love and all our own than young hope in her sunniest hour has known all that we see or seem is but a dream within a dream wept like a baby a baby with a beard okay so i think that pretty much is gonna wrap up tales of poe i enjoyed it support your filmmaking homosexuals in the horror industry absolutely because people put their put their hearts and souls into these things to create to create the work they do so filmmakers they did an amazing amount of magic Oh, absolutely. For very little money. Oh, there was a line in this that when she said, uh, um, there was in the uh, first segment where the nurse just said, we have created enchantment. Mm. And I said, she stole that from Dandy. You know what? I create enchantment, God we damn it. All, we all try to create enchantment. So. Yep. That's about as good a segue as I can do because we're going to go back to the enchantment of Dandy Darkly. You have that show series coming up at under St. Mark's, where can people find out more information and when is it? Oh, so my show is October 11th through the 14th at Under St. Mark's Theater. You can get tickets at horsetrade.info. They're $25 each. Ah, I wish I could give them away for free, but mm. I'm, a, I'm a starving, starving dandy. Dandy Darkly's all aboard. I look forward to come by and tell me you heard about the show on, uh, on Screen Queen. Yes, please do. That's fantastic. And also, for those of you who are not in the New York area, Dandy actually did a recording in, in its entirety of his last show, Myth Mouth, on Kelly Dwyer's show. Oh, that's right. Miss, Miss Ke- Kelly Dwyer, Mockumental. I posted that link 150 times at 150 places. <laughs> and I know none of you bastards listen to it, but trust me, listen to it. That show, not that this new show is not, but that show is particularly magic. Mm-hmm. And it will take you everywhere. It takes you to, from, to the depths of hell, to the outer reaches of space, to cyberspace. Oh. And- you know, it's, the, the, my last show, Dandy Darkly's Myth Mouth, was focused on just the very nature of storytelling. You know, mm-hmm. the first little homo who got out there and decided, cha-cha. cha-cha the caveman. A lady came up to me in Edinburgh for this particular show and took me aside and said, I miss cha-cha. 
and oh. I maced her. I maced her and pushed her out the door. But <laughs> well, that's how you say hello in Scotland for the most part. So it that's is. totally. I miss, totally I miss your old work. Acceptable is, uh, is the way to do it. But but anyway, thank you so much, Patrick, for having me on Screen Queen. You're very welcome, and thank you, Dandy, for helping out the kids at New Alternatives. Oh, you're very. That's, that's what this is all about. <laughs> Absolutely, it is. You know, share yeah. and share alike. Wait, share? Share's here? <laughs> share? You just got me excited. I was like, <laughs> oh, Danny, 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 Danny. Before you go, I almost forgot. Most important thing. Yes. Happy Halloween. <laughs> oh, so scary. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, remain in your seats because we are not finished here yet. Oh, no, sirree, Bob, because we have an extra special pre-Halloween treat for you. Yes, you. Do you remember earlier on when I was talking with Dandy and I mentioned that he recorded the entirety of his previous show, Myth Mouth, on the air? On Kelly Dwyer's fabulous comedy show, which features tons and tons of independent music, a show called Mock You Mental, which is available on Radio Free Brooklyn. Remember when I mentioned all that? Well, maybe I didn't mention that last part, but I'm mentioning it now, okay? Remember I mentioned that earlier? Well, you're not getting the whole thing tonight. No. No, 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 no. You're going to get one segment of the five segments of that story. And this one is going to take you straight to hell. And it's called Homesick. And if you like what you hear, by all means, go on over to Kelly Dwyer's Mock You Mental. Mock hyphen, the letter U hyphen, mental. And you look up Dandy Darkly. And you listen to that whole episode, because not only will you get the entirety of Myth Mouth, no, 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 you will also get a discussion with him and Bob, with, with, well, let's just say with his best friend, Neil. Dandy's best friend, Neil. And Kelly on what it's like to be an independent artist in New York City in 2018. Well, it might have been 2017. Then I don't know. You know what I mean? Shut up. And you know what? I love Kelly too. You've heard her on the show before. Not her in person, but I've played her music several times. I played um, I Made You Gay and uh, Anal for Christmas was also a big hit. And this is the kind of gal the Kelly is. Because I remember, remember way, 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 way back during the election. Remember that? Doesn't that seem like a thousand years ago? There was a whole scandal, something about Hillary Clinton's vagenda of manicide, that that was actually a term that was flying around in the news for a hot minute. The first time I heard that, my first instinct, log on to Facebook, send a message to Kelly and said, Vagenda of Manicide sounds like a Kelly Dwyer song. And within hours, there was a Kelly Dwyer song called Vagenda of Manicide because that is the kind of artist that she is. Funny, wonderful. Anyway, go check out the show. Stick around and listen to another episode of hers while you're there. And, well, you know what? Not now, though, because... Ladies and gentlemen, I have to repeat, please remain in your seats. Keep all arms and legs inside Dandy Darkly until the ride has come to a full and complete stop. Ladies and gentlemen, homesick. Apollo raced the eastern horizon. (laughs) Peach and apricot splendor sparkled against an expansive stretch of virgin snow. 
A dark dimple marred that otherwise pristine polar plane like some banal beauty mark just slapped against an old queen's powdered chink. <laughs> the dark mark was a cavern, a sinister crevasse whose jagged stalactites hung like fangs, threatening to devour any damned soul vexed to venture within. Yet from that hell's mouth emerged a solitary silhouette. Ooh, a girl, shockingly skinny, seemingly no older than sixteen. She shivered like a shadow puppet and twig-stick legs and jutting hip bones. Alabaster arms blotted with blue-green bruises. This wife wore nothing more than a beaded black cocktail dress, expensively embroidered with ornate spiders and scarlet roses, red as her bloodshot eyes crusted round with mourning after mascara. And in her hand, she held an iPhone encased inside resplendent rubies and broken baby's teeth. That fucking sun stung like a cat of nine tails. She fished for her sunglasses, fumbling her iPhone where it shattered into a cackling murder of crows that flapped frantically back to the cruel cavern from which this maiden had emerged only a few moments earlier for her wintertime walk of shame. 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 Persephone. The queen of Hades placed one petite toe into the snow, and where once a blizzard bellowed now bloomed a verdant field of green. Persephone, the goddess of spring, was home. This is Homesick, a tale of hangovers, homecomings, and how we choose our chosen families. Persephone! cacophony to accompany the arrival of spring was Persephone's hysteric mother. Demeter frantically attended to her only baby daughter. Oh, Seffy, you're home. You're safe and you're home. Seffy's pickled brain pulsed with a migraine, the end result of a raucous night of too much champagne and just a taste of um, the (laughs) cocaine. Recollection of the body affair nearly caused Seffy to expunge right there. But no, oh hell no. She would not give her mother the pleasure of seeing her sick. Persephone was a far more pernicious party girl than times past. Like that first time when she barely crawled from that hellish cave, drunken and (coughs) stoned. Wipe away that frown, young lady. Oh, oh, the guests are arriving. Hurry, 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 flowers on tables. Oh, what a beautiful day for a springtime baby shower. Hello, everyone. Hi, welcome. Demeter's delirious demeanor always divulged her deepest fears. My junkie daughter is home, everyone. The goddess of flowers is a prostitution whore. Just smile and whatever you do for my sake, do not mention Hades. 
before her mother sight Persephone played long. She clapped and the festivities overflowed with floral arrangements, carnations, baby's breath, delightful daisies, utterly adorable and apropos for the oh-so-so-glorious arrival of another bouncing baby bastard, undoubtedly fathered by any number of Safi's uncles or cousins. Oh, another girl charmed and chased and raped. Today's lucky mommy was luscious leader. Oh, how she sobbed as she unwrapped porcelain rattles and pastel binkies. The proud papa, none other than Sefi's own absentee father. Zeus, the king of the gods. <laughs> Disguised as a fucking swan, he bird fucked her. Ladies and gentlemen, what an asshole. <laughs> You're gonna have a baby brother or sister, Demeter would crazily whisper. Persephone felt sick. How could her own mother be so complicit in all this? Sephi pouted as Apollo pranced across the summer sky. Mm. There's one mythological yarn you'll never hear among the learned scholars of Cambridge and Columbia. The tale of the flower and the sun. Oh, how the two seem such a perfect fit, you know? Flowers are content to simply admire the vain, glorious preening of the sun all day long and how she begged her father to marry her to Apollo, beautiful, sunny Apollo. Please, Daddy, please, if not Apollo, anyone, anyone but him. Her creepy uncle who smelled of formaldehyde and cemetery dirt. <laughs> Sefi couldn't help but chuckle to herself. Silly scribblings in a flower girl's notebook. Seffy, hurry, honey, we're late for the wedding! The next event on Seffy's tour of misery was a hometown wedding. She clapped, and white roses, hydrangeas, lavender garlands gushed across every surface. Oh, immortals love themselves a big fat Greek wedding, you know? Celebrating another nuptial atop their insidious, incestuous little mountain. Grown-ass goddesses squabbling like children over seat placements and golden apples. All air kisses, mwah, mwah, and syrupy sympathy to Seffy's face. Welcome back, Seffy. So good to see you. Then, barely out of earshot, well, the wisest course of action would have been to fight Hades off. I would have. Oh, big sis Athena, so smug in her asinine assumptions. Next to chime in was athletic Artemis, sincerely suggesting she simply should have just outrun him. <laughs> Run where? She'd been kidnapped. To hell. And lastly, pretty Aphrodite, the goddess of beauty, so ugly on the inside. <laughs> well, at least somebody did it. I mean, honestly, she's just so frumpy. <laughs> frumpy, bitch, fucking bitch. Persephone was fucking royalty. 
Empress of the underworld, doyen of the damned. She channeled rage behind her Chanel shades. Fury unbefitting, a goddess of spring, but most befitting, Hades' queen. She snapped, and posies and petunias atrophied. In their wake awoke poison, pitcher plants, and vicious fly traps. A stinking carrion flower unfurled its blackened blossom. Not even its foul stench could mask the stink of this grotesque charade. Her mother pinched her beneath the table. <laughs> Persephone stormed from the wedding, a parade of profanities and shattered skimware in her wake. The only thing louder than Sephi's exit was Aphrodite's laughter. Persephone ran. She ran until she came across a funeral. Apollo now fell far to the west. He set the autumn trees ablaze with brilliant reds and bittersweet pumpkins. A mother wept for her murdered children. Persephone bequeathed the bereaved a beautiful bouquet of black lilies. It only taken a thousand years, maybe less, Persephone to realize that marrying Apollo would have been literally a, a fate worse than death. Oh, the boredom alone. Not to mention Apollo flitting after every fit young hero with a magic sword and buns of steel. How embarrassing. <laughs> Far more embarrassing than being slut-shamed by the real housewives of Olympus. No, no. It was there. Down in the underworld, amidst the fossils, the freaks, and the forlorn, where Sephi truly found herself. The flower taken for granted above was cherished below, never abused, never broken. Hades doted on his queen like some exotic Amazon orchid. Persephone was a flower that required a darkness to fully blossom. A long black hearse pulled up adjacent the funeral. An impossibly slender man lurched from behind the steering wheel. Chiron opened the rear door for his mistress. Winter flurries fell softly as Sephi slid inside. Hades, the ferocious lord of the underworld, awaited her return. He wore a soiled jockstrap and a leather gimp mask. He whimpered like a puppy as he held a silver tray that contained a flute of champagne and a fat line of cocaine. Sethi forced his face to the floor with her dirty foot. Persephone sipped her bubbly while her husband groaned with ecstasy. It was so good to be home. Thank you, everyone. Yeah, make some noise, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you, Killy. Thank you, Craig. Yeah, bravo, 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 kids. That was dandy motherfucking darkly. Do you get it now? Do you get why I'm always going on about this guy? Well, if you did and you got to want to get it, put it in you, then you should go over to Mockumental, Kelly Dwyer's internet show on Radio Free Public. And you listen to that Myth Mouth episode. 
And if you are fortunate enough to be living in the New York area during the glorious times when Dandy Darkly is performing live, then get your ass down to the Saint, under St. Mark's Theater this weekend and see his brand new show, All Aboard, which is going to take you straight to Gay Bird, Georgia and find out what happened the night the Gay Bird steamer went off the rails. Because whatever you heard happened, it ain't what happened, and only Dandy knows. So, that's going to wrap up this episode. I didn't pick the episode, I mean, the section of Dandy's show intentionally. I think this, I picked it because I thought this was going to uh, would translate the best without the other segments. Of the, of the show present but it also rather ties in nicely with um, the theme for this pod I've talked often about how we as LGBT people often have to choose a second family because our first family wasn't there for us or isn't healthy or isn't safe for us and maybe the rest of the world doesn't understand what we do but we do we understand what we do. And that's just what was going on with Persephone and her demon husband. She's happy. We're happy. Whatever. We're all happy. And yeah, that the whole thing with choosing your second family is, 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 is it's difficult, but it's also a wonderful gift. But you know, I can think of these kids at New Alternatives. Many of them were thrown out by their families or come from families that are too violent for them to stay with. We have our own opportunity here today to step up and be a second family to them. Okay, absentee parents, but still, still saying, we see you. You're okay. You're one of us. We got your back. And really, what more can anybody ask for? Except, I will ask for more because, as you well know, this whole thing is to raise money for New Alternatives, which is a wonderful organization that helps homeless LGBT youth get off the street, not just for tonight, but forever, kids, for good. So, what I need you to do, I need you to go over to fundraise.newalternativesnyc.org slash sq and donate. Donate $21 or donate more. And I also want you to tell somebody else about the podcast. Forward the schedule. Forward the movie if you like to. I'm going to be putting up Little daily memes for you to send around too. Promoting the podcast, but also a factoid about LGBT teen homelessness. Guys, I lost the entire segment of the show. About you know about a minute ago. All of a sudden everything was just gone. I mean like a minute ago on the tape now. And I spent like three hours looking for it. There was a good ten minutes stuff coming and I I'm done. I can't. I can't go through this again. It's been a endless night. It is what? It's one o'clock in the afternoon. I've been sitting here since six o'clock last night. Daddy's done. Except Daddy's not done because when he's done here, he has to go and mix all of this and process it and upload it to the web page and then start promoting it off the web page. And I am. Wiped. But you know what? I'm happy. I'm tired, but I'm happy. It feels good to be doing something good. To put in hard work and suffering. For, you, know, for, you know who's not happy? Miss Smoochie is not happy. She's right here and she's very pissed off that I've been ignoring her for so long. So I have to go tend to my kitty cat, okay? 
you know what? The contact information can wait until next time. You've got the important confirmation, the contact information. The important confirmation for this show is that URL for new alternative donations. So you're arranged to get in contact with me right now, so don't worry about it, okay? Tomorrow's movie is Dave Made a Maze. It doesn't fit the Halloween format, but you're going to love it. It is streaming on Hulu for free. Don't miss it. The special guest will be Christopher Grunlin from Not About Lumberjacks podcast and also the soon-to-be darling of your heart, Michael Howie and his beard both of which are from Defender Radio Podcast. Okay, kids, that's it. Daddy's out. So until tomorrow, my beautiful, beautiful screamers, when I have to put out another damn show, well, continue to make the world a less creepy but more fabulous place. And and, and never forget the Scream Queen's golden rule, okay? Fight or flight. Survive the night. Make it to the final reel, baby. Holy shit, I just did all of that. I'm a survivor girl! Yay! All of the music for tonight's show, unless otherwise specified, has been written by Sam Haynes. You can find all of his music at www.bandcamp.com. Bitches! <laughs> Ew.